discusses issues within the LGBTQ community. If this is something that makes you uncomfortable or you disagree with, we highly encourage you to switch now. Again, thank you for listening to Power 90.5. My name is Michael and I am your local queer guy. Riley and I are excited to be educating y'all and engaging with y'all. This show is about anything and everything queer, from pop culture news with queer media in it to worldwide political queer news. So thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoy the show. And we are live on Queer Talk. I am Michael, your local queer guy. And I'm Riley. All right. So last week we had a really interesting show. We had a three-way interview with Max when he was up here. That was awesome. Yeah, that that was awesome. I think that was taken really well by people we got some really good comments so we're hoping to uh get some more people on the show and have definitely. more really good conversation i definitely want to get jay and a couple other women on the show just to get that perspective because we've had so many trans guy perspectives now i think it's time to get the other side perspective yeah we are happy to have people anybody who's listening who has an interesting well everyone's story is interesting but an interesting perspective to bring more diversity definitely hit up michael and i and and let us know what's up so we can have you on the show definitely we would love to get your perspective your experience and what your life has been like so tonight we're going to start the show out talking about valentine's day and i was just about to say uh okay hold up happy valentine's day happy valentine's day from your local queer guys yeah so i read this article and i actually sent it to you i saw it on twitter um which everybody knows you shouldn't get your news from twitter but it's not really a news article it's more of a opinion-based article but it was saying that on valentine's day remember to reach out to your friends who identify as trans or non-binary or gender non-conforming really because there comes a time where being trans and being non-binary and gender non-conforming it's kind of hard for you to feel love from other people because you feel like you're just not conforming to what society deems as what love is and i know for me personally i struggled with that for a long time of thinking am i good enough to be loved am i worthy of love i'm a trans guy and i complicate everything when it comes to dating so am I even worthy? And this article was just kind of talking like, make sure that you reach like reach out to everybody and spread love, but reach out to your uh, queer sisters and brothers today. So yeah, when you sent me that, I was like, this is this is perfect, because this is something that on Valentine's Day, you know, it's one of those things you either love it or hate it. And Mm -hmm. most of the time, the people that love it are the people that have significant others uh, or a partner or somebody who they can kind of spoil and do this whole thing with. But Valentine's Day on the flip side for those who either just really don't like the holiday and it's just another day or people who don't have somebody or just got broken up with or just broke up with somebody. Yeah, It's a day that's kind of like it's sad and it carries like a little bit of weight. So the fact of having a post like that on me- the social media where everybody's going to social media and looking at all the cute Valentine's Day pictures and what their significant others did and, and all that kind of stuff it's a nice reminder to be like you know it's cool that you are who you are and you're loved no matter what and just because of this one day you know that other people are getting to go out and do that kind of stuff doesn't mean that you aren't loved as well and having your friends there and supporting i see valentine's day as just another day to be able to go to all my friends regardless of if they're in a relationship or not and just say hey you know, I love you. I appreciate you. Thank you for appreciating me. And the same thing in return is usually what I get back. So exactly. Friend, happy Valen friendship day. <laughs> Valen friendship. Valen friendship. Valen friendship. Trademark it. Oh, I will. Well, 
I think it's, I agree with Riley. It is a day to just kind of to remind people whether you're in a relationship with them or you're just really good friends. Just like reach out because sh- you never know. Someone could be having like a really bad day that day. And then you just simply reaching out and being like, hey, like just want to let you know, like I love you. I appreciate everything that you've done for me. Thank you. It can really brighten someone's day. And February 13th, thanks to Parks and Rec, is Valentine's Day. For all the ladies out there who want to celebrate other ladies, which I think is great. I yeah. always send my friends a happy Valentine's Day, and they're like, Michael, you're not a girl. Like, <laughs> you're right, but you're all my girls. But it's gr- still, you are my girls. You're, you're my, my girls. girls that are friends. So, so there happy you go. Valentine's Day. But yeah, I have a love-hate relationship with Valentine's Day. I am a super huge romantic, but at the end of the day, I'm just like, it's very heteronormative, if you think about it. Like, you don't really see a lot of queer uh, Hallmark movies or Valentine's, because, you know, it's Valentine's season and love, and so Hallmark's doing their whole spiel. And Well, something that I think is really interesting is Netflix is coming out with all of its new releases. The Fire documentary from Fire Festival was out, and they're doing one on... Queer Eyes coming out on March 15th on Netflix, which is dope, uh, season three. But something that they're doing is they're doing a memoir, like a biography thing. And it's this guy who's gay, but he also has cerebral palsy. And I think that's dope because, like, I'm gay and I have cerebral palsy. (laughs) Relatable. Relatable. (laughs) But I don't know. I think it's just really cool because it's like, it's a TV show, but it's also a memoir biography type thing. But it's like loosely based on his life, but it's going to be people like acting out his life. And I was just like, that would be so cool to be able to come together and like pick people in your life and have like actors play them. I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but no, I thought, not really. No, but that's something that I probably will think about now. Like, who would I pick like, to play my life? Yeah, who, who, or who would you pick to narrate it? Ooh, wait, who did I say the other day that I wanted to narrate? Oh, Alicia Keys. Alicia Keys. Yep. Oh my gosh, when we were watching the Grammys, mm-hmm. I want Alicia Keys. That's so I have thought about that. I think that <laughs> um, I would want Alicia Keys to narrate my life. Honestly, her voice is amazing. Yeah. Just like her speaking voice. Her singing voice is also equally as amazing. But And for those big milestone moments in your yeah, life. I would just sing. really want her or like <laughs> to send me personal videos every day of her like hyping me up. You know oh, what I'm yeah. saying? Just like motivational. Oh yeah. Somebody said I think somebody said that there is a motivational something that she talks. Mm, she does she I think she has a couple of TED talks that she's yeah. done. Or motivational speaking in general. I mean, I would listen to it. I'd pay for it. I mean, honestly, I would pick Morgan Freeman because he just has the most soothing voice. He really does. I don't know what we're going to do or what Hollywood's going to do without Morgan Freeman. Uh, uh, Morgan Freeman, Betty White, all these. You do love Betty White. I love Betty White. (laughs) She's funny. I can't help it. She's She's one of those classic comedians that, like, can act and just be funny, but it's not forced. Right. And she's, like, also, like, 92-something years old. She's still kicking, dude. She's kicking hard. I read an article, like, interview with her, and she's like, yeah, I take a shot of vodka every morning I wake up, and I was like, Betty. To get it going. To get it going. Yeah. Crank it right up, and I'm just like, Betty. Me too, Betty. What do I do to start my days? A shot of vodka. shot of vodka. Or your lemonade vodka stuff that you Oh, my gosh. So good. (sighs) Well, I just, I don't know. I'm excited because with the beginning of the new year, we also have award seasons with the Grammys, and then now the Oscars are coming up, and I love the Oscars. There's going to be a lot of queer representation there as well, which I think is going to be good because with all these major movies that are coming out that have, like, queer history or queer representation in them, I think it's, like, everybody said that 2018 was, like, the year of the gay. I think it's actually coming now. I think more from, like, like, a... entertainment perspective and on like an educational stance i think a lot's going to start changing i think a lot has i think if we take a second kind of look back on the grammys and all of the powerful women oh yeah that were there and all of the powerful women who then won awards Mm -hmm. um not only were nominated but they they won 
um, and Alicia Keys being the host and who is a very powerful woman. Oh, yeah. um, and then having, uh, I think it was like Lady Gaga, um, J-Lo, Michelle Obama. I forget the last person that was up. Was it just her that was up there? No, there, there was, was one, one more. other. Um, I can't. Think okay, of yeah, we'll I get back to that. I have a picture in my yeah, head. I know, uh, yeah, I see her, but I, I can't remember her name. Anyway, having that like right as it opens is just like a, a super powerful statement. Yeah. Um, and I, I like the fact that you know, we're starting to move in a, a direction, like you said, that it's, you said that 2018 was, you know, the year of the gay, like the gay movement for um, not just like in society, but just being more widely accepted and all that kind of stuff. And I, I do agree. I think that is, we are now starting to kindle up little fires and it's starting with celebrities and what they're bringing to the table and the fact that they're seeing a need for drive and uh, diversity and inclusion um, in just that aspect. And then it'll slowly start to progress over. Um, but the fact that, you know, there's there's one such powerful women that are doing great things and that's finally being recognized is amazing. So it, it definitely shows um, some positivity looking into the future for like people of of queer minorities yeah and a couple not last week but the week before we uh did a report on jesse smollett who was attacked and he actually came out and uh did an interview with good morning america and he sat down with uh robin williams no not robin williams um robin she's on good morning america yeah no she's beautiful i know yeah. who you're talking about okay. yeah i don't she sat down with him. he sat down with her and like they had a very um really in-depth conversation about what it means to be black and queer in america and i thought it was a beautiful interview i thought it was heartbreaking because people the things that were said to him while he was being assaulted was just inexcusable for 2019 for literally the 21st century but like here we are and people are still like can't even go down the street to get a, a sandwich at like 12 o'clock at night after getting off set without being attacked and almost killed right so a lot's got to change but um I don't know. Do you watch movies or anything with like Ellen Page in it? Mm -mm. Okay. Well, you know who she is. Yes. Well, I love her. She. I'm torn between Ellen DeGeneres and Ellen Page because like they are uh, two very different uh, women and actors and uh, people um, in the LGBT community. But Ellen Page went on the late night show with um, some one of the late night. Yeah, one of the. There's think, like so many late night shows. I think it was Colbert. I can't remember. Yeah. Um, but she went on there and she did like a five minute speech just absolutely just going at it for the lgbt community being like we need to do better this is like this is insane like the treatment of these people is just like god awful like i it moved me physically to tears like i could feel feel my eyes like welling up because i was like everything she's saying is absolutely right and this is how you use your platform as a celebrity to get your message out and then she also came under um, attack for going after Chris Pratt because the church that he's affiliated with um, has, like, anti-LGBT teachings in it or something. Oh, wow. And so there's, like, a big controversy on, like, social media and, like, the celebrity world between Pratt and Paige. So, which Well, that'd be interesting to see how that unfolds. But I, I do agree with the whole using your platform. I think that it's a, a perfect way for celebrities to... Um, you know, if we can be vulnerable as just like everyday college students and put ourselves out there and then, you know, like we were talking about last week, the whole snowball effect. So these people who are starting to be vulnerable, who are putting their experience and their stories into the world, 
um, and like creating new knowledge for other people, it changes how you see the world. Like knowledge really does change. So like if people keep open minds and can just block out their opinions and take in new experiences, take in fresh knowledge, then they will be able to see the world in a completely different light, which will thus, you know, expand the realm of one day us seeing a world where we're not really having to battle, you know, conversations of like hate crimes. We're not having to um, battle all of these different like societal conflicts um, and and different beliefs. Yeah, people are always going to have different opinions and, um, you know, no two people are going to be the exact same or think the exact same. And that's fine. That's not what we're asking. We're asking for an an acceptance um, and just a, a basic understanding and then let's just move on with it. And so I think that the little things that we do that these celebrities are doing, like you said, how he then um, put his experience into um, talking with somebody that was aired, that's gotten millions of views, um, that kind of story being shared, even though he is a celebrity, but it is, it's kind of started at a small level. Not a lot of people know who he is. He's very famous for what he's done, but he's not super, super famous, like the Ellen DeGeneres of the world or whatever, yeah. where you say their first name and you know who that is. Yeah. Um, and so starting there and working our way up, it will get to the bigger known celebrities who can then hear the voices of the quote unquote people and then be like, okay, this is where I can use my platform or I could build a platform, um, and help. Exactly. And it's just like, like you're saying, like you start small and it snowball effect grows and then like it gets brought up to the people who you're trying to grab their attention. And like, I know there are like videos that like if, uh, 13 year old or 14 year old is like covering a song by like pink i know there's a video of like pink listening to the covers of these songs and then like brings them out and like meets them and like that's great but like imagine if you had that effect with like activism like kids who were um just activating for like lgbt rights in their school or and they had like a local celebrity from their hometown and it got the attention of that guy and then it just like spread from there i think hate crimes as a whole, I think would hopefully go down because I read somewhere that hate crimes are up like 17% since 2017. And it's just like 17% doesn't seem like a lot, but for hate crimes, that's insane. Well, yeah, for crime in general, my small period of time um, being a criminal justice student (laughs) for the semester and a half or so that I did, um, small little increments of percentages like that can make a huge difference, especially when it comes to something like crime that's impeccable. Um, so yeah, I, I think that if it'll be really interesting to see the correlation between activism in celebrities and them bringing in more people and using like a wall of just day-to-day people, um, as a presentation to be like, Hey, this is what's going on. We can't ignore this anymore. We can't keep making laws or ignoring to put in new laws to give these people the rights that they deserve um, because they're people at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think it'll be very interesting to see what the correlation is between that if if at some point we could get the ball rolling on that. Yeah, exactly. Um, something that I thought was also interesting as I was scrolling through stuff to talk about tonight, and I came across this one thing and I'm going to double check it when we go on break, but I'm pretty sure it's Kentucky that is bringing out the most discriminatory um, anti-LGBT uh, hate laws that have ever been put out. Like, there's one that they're trying to revoke gay marriage and rename it a parody marriage. 
like I don't know about you, but that's that's disrespectful to the name of marriage, wow. regardless of who you're marrying. A parody marriage, that's just awful. I mean, it, that literally means a joke marriage. Yeah, and it's just like I I doubt it's gonna go through because it also has to go through like if they want the entire act of gay marriage to go through, they have to right. get it um, appealed or whatever. But it's just like, why? Why do you keep going after this one community? Like, I mean, I know other communities are like going, being after, like, can't talk, uh, or like being attacked. But like right now, politically, the LGBT community is just getting hate fire after hate fire after hate fire. It's like they, we can't catch a break. I think it has a lot to do with the fact that things are progressing quite quickly. Um, there's a lot of people that do not like that at all, right? Yeah. Like, there's always going to be something to step on somebody's toes. There's always going to be something that somebody doesn't like. Um, but at the end of the day, we're we're having to look at where we are as a society and what's the best thing. And a lot of people think that gay marriage is not the best thing, yeah. um, especially when, you know, it was put in that, you know, gay marriage is now legal. So there's always going to be somebody who's going to try to, like, shake their fist in the air and be like, no, I don't like this. This isn't the right. We need to change this. Yeah. Um, so it's it's interesting. As, fi- as, as funny as it is that we as the community are fighting for equal rights, there's people all around that are fighting against us to take those rights away. So it's, it's a, it's a head-banging contest. It's just who can bang their head harder. <laughs> but, exactly. And it's just like, for me... I, I get so frustrated because it's like you can put in all this work and you can do all the activism. And at the end of the day, like if you don't have anything to like show for it, like it, it, you feel like you're not making change, but you actually are. You're, you're going out there. You're putting your name out there. You're telling your story. And then even if it affects just one person, that one person will go back and tell someone. But it's just like it's it's exhausting after a while. I had someone ask me recently. They're just like, yeah, so like, do you think after this year you're going to be done with your radio show? And I was like, absolutely not. Like I right. want to do this as long as I'm here. And they were just like, you don't think that's going to be, like, exhausting, having to keep, like, spreading this message of, like, acceptance for the LGBT But if community? you don't do it, then who, who is? Exactly. Yeah. And I just kind of looked at them, and I was like, it's not like activism is a 9-to-5 job. It is an all-the-time job. And it's just something that, like, I've become accustomed to. So, like, if I meet someone, so for Sexsmith that was going to be put on here, um, the lady that was running it at the time literally was like oh so you're you're the queer guy and i was like how how do you know who i am i have no idea who you are but then she had heard about our show through linden and everything Mm -hmm. and it's just like it it is getting talked about and it is getting spread and i definitely want to reach out to some of the drag queens in Asheville and see if we can get some of them on there and get their outside perspective of like living as an adult living like out in the real world like outside of the college bubble as a queer person and what has your experience been and like how has drag impacted that? Right. I think that would be really interesting. Um, going back to what you're saying, at, as well, you know, it feels like no nothing is being made like a difference. Like there's no difference being made. It's every day you're waking up, you know, having to be like, okay, what am I going to encounter today that I'm going to have to fight for somebody's rights or I'm going to have to say something to correct somebody or something like that. Um, one thing that I can speak to being here as I'm starting to go into my last semester of my undergrad, um, or like I am in my last semester of my undergrad, but like finishing out kind of thing, um, is where this university has come and the impact that I feel like I have made um, with my time here. And I'm starting to reflect on that pretty heavy. And it, it is, it is very significant, which 
ultimately has been amazing to see and watch happen. Um, even though there are some days where I sit back and I'm just like, okay, so I've been fighting for this for so long and I keep getting told that this is going to happen and nothing's happening. Like where, where's the action? Like I'm doing so much of this. I need action from people who can actually do this stuff. And, um, it, 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 there has been action. It's just, I haven't really been able to see it because I'm a student and I haven't been able to like see certain things that go on at an administrative level, but I've caught word from some faculty, from some administrators that things are happening. Just yeah. like, you know, wink, wink, like just be patient. Yeah. And there are some things that we can even see and prove without having to keep it hush hush. One of the things is, um, for safe zone training panels, we get a lot of RAs. We get a lot of RAs, especially at this time of the semester too, with different classes that are being taught. We get a lot of students that are doing it for extra credit, for class participation, for things like that, um, which is fine. But regardless of you just doing it to check a box, you're still having to come. You're still having to listen to what's being, what's going on and what these people are saying. You can't just like tune off your ears, right? Like you can't yeah. just it's selective hearing and I understand that's a thing, but like you can't just turn your ears off. That's not how that works. You're still taking in information. You're still processing even when you think you're not. And so seeing some of these students come in and having some of the RAs over the years and seeing the little changes that have been made, like on the SSIs that go out, there's now a spot for students' pronouns. Mm -hmm. There are spots for preferred names. And these are things that when I first arrived to Western were not options yeah. on these pieces of paper at all. For people who don't know what um, an SSI is, an SSI is basically our RAs will come to us um, when you live on campus and they'll basically have a sheet of paper just asking it's a wellness check that's basically yeah. what it is just how are you doing how are your classes going do you like what's your support like and it's basically just um the residential living way resident res wow residential's <laughs> way of keeping tabs on students making sure that they're getting the help that they need that they're doing well in their classes um and if there is anything that they need that you know you're as a RA, you're, you're helping them with that. And so that's a big deal. And a lot of the things when we see and we look at um, student, queer students in dorms is, especially non-binary students, is the harassment they get, that the, the small level hate crimes that they get um, just in the dorm. And a lot of times it's one RA or two, three, maybe three RA, RAs, depending on how big the building is on that hall. And they can't cover all the bases. That's a lot of students. And there's a lot of students that don't want to speak out about things that have happened because of that, you know, that mere like moment of panic where you're like, okay, if I speak out about this, the RA is going to make a big deal about it, which they're supposed to, this is not, we can't have this. Then the people who did this to me, they're going to know that I snitched and, you know, nobody likes someone who snitched, but you got to kind of get out of that mindset. It's not snitching if it's wrong. <laughs> and it's also having to deal with your your safety. Yeah, exactly. This is a safety precaution. So, um, you know, RAs are doing the best they can with what they have and, and, you know, God bless them keeping students like that and trying to manage all that is a lot. But basically what I'm saying is, is there are little things that are happening. And so when we get overwhelmed as a society and we start to freak out a little bit, and we look at all the things, well, we're progressing here, here, and here, but then here's where we're lacking. We have to focus on the positive things that have started to progress. It's the worm in everybody's ear that, you know, there are things moving around and like everything will come together when it's supposed to. We just got to make sure that, you know, the um, T's are crossed and our I's are dotted and we got to make sure that that's a thing before we can move forward. So just try to focus on the little things and then we can work our way up and at the end of the day those will all build up and 
it'll be a happy-go-lucky world, right? Exactly. That's that's at least what we can hope for. I mean, everything you said was spot on. You kind of just took everything I was going to say, but it was totally fine because you said it in a way that I probably couldn't have. <laughs> but um, no, like it's absolutely right. It's just it's I have no patience. If anything that I've learned from my own medical transition is that you have to have patience. And over the past year, I've just been like, I, I, I wanted to see all the changes right away. And then I realized I don't because I don't want to miss them. and I don't want to rush them. So like that's similar to that where it's like you want all these big like, quality changes to happen now, but it's not going to happen now. You have to be patient because like you said, you have to dot your I's and cross your T's and go from there and just wait. And waiting is the hardest part of anything so yeah we just got to be patient and keep each other accountable or and patient for things and try to work on that together exactly well we are going to take a quick break but we will be back before you know it will you switch that to our frequency power 90.5 where are you wwcu colorway wwcufm.com Ranger Station. Yeah, hi. I'd like to report a bear sighting in the forest. Uh-huh. One second, I'm having a smoke. Next thing I know, I'm face-to-face with Smokey Bear. Wow. And he told me it only takes one spark to start a wildfire. Did you know nine out of ten wildfires are caused by humans? I had no idea. That's why Smokey's famous and you're not. If you see someone in danger of starting a wildfire, step in and make a difference. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Learn more at SmokeyBear.com. Only you can prevent wildfires. Now, your Western Carolina weather forecast is furnished by local Yokel Weather. Happy Thursday, Catamounts. It'll be a cloudy Valentine's Day night with temperatures in the mid to low 40s, depending on elevation. As always, you can get your up-to-date weather forecast online anytime at wwcufm.com. I'm Ruth with your Power 90.5 forecast. Your Western Carolina weather forecast was furnished by local Yoko Weather. LYWJackson.com. Power 
Slashed and torn. Why? 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 
And welcome back to Queer Talk. So we took a break, hung out, got some water, and we looked up this one article that was really interesting. Um, we're actually going to start with that because it's now it's on my brain and okay. um, it's present. But so we talked earlier in the show that the Empire actor who was attacked a couple of weeks ago, back at the beginning of February into January, um, was attacked. It was a hate crime. Um, he was hospitalized for it. And now they're saying that he faked it and that because he faked it because um, Empire's firing him from the show. Um, but the Chicago PD and Fox um, are pushing back and saying that that's not true. But it's just like, how do you fake that type of brutal of an attack when they have footage of him being attacked? Like, I don't. Do you hire someone in that sense? Like, would you go to that People length? are always going to want to say that something's false, right? It's easier to to prove something to be false than it may be to prove it, prove it true. So people are always going to look for a reason to falsify something. Yeah, and I, I get that, but I just, I can't fathom. I mean, oh, I'm not agreeing with yeah, it. No, I just, I it, it's, I'm appalled that yeah. somebody would even like, Try to belittle such a little, such a little, such a situation like that. Yeah. But it's just people do the craziest things. It it's crazy, but it's also just like, what's the purpose? Like, if he wanted to, like, I don't know, bad mouth Fox News or Empire or something, like, he could go a thousand different ways without hurting himself physically and voluntarily. At that fact, so I can't even imagine him like planning this and like faking it out well just i mean we'll, we'll have to see how it plays out and see what is said <sighs> well a good a good thing in the news is new jersey's now requiring that lgbt history is taught in schools and it's new jersey is the second state to do this california did it back in 2017 but i think that's awesome i mean it's the curriculum isn't going to be um like brought in until like 29 uh 2020 i think is what the article said um, so it's a whole year, but like that gives them year, like a whole year to get solid history because there's a lot. I actually got a book for Christmas and it's about the history of the LGBT community and everything. And it dates back to the civil war, which I had no idea about. And I was reading that and I thought that was absolutely fascinating. I mean, it's just another proven fact of the fact that gay people and trans people have been around forever. This isn't something that was new. This isn't a gen genetic mutation that just arrived from whatever. This is like, these are people who have been people this whole time. Yeah. And it's just now something that's come up and people are starting to recognize. Um, and so it's, it is interesting to see how so far we have two states that are going to teach us in curriculum and, and see what that curriculum is going to look like and see how far they actually date back and um, see if they can tie this into big known American events in history that we were taught and then see if they can kind of combine the, oh, hey, remember when you taught, were taught this back in your social studies class? Well, at the same time, from a different perspective, this is what was going on as well. Or, oh, hey, remember when we told you this? Yeah, this group of people was very big in this too. And this is something that kind of gets undermined because it's not the norm. It's not what we want to teach in history classes, right? It's not the American way. Yeah. So we have to make sure that we just speak on the American way. And now it, this is, it is the American way. It's, it's been in history as, as far as, like you said, it dates back to the Civil War. 
It, yeah, and something that I'm fascinated to see as I get older and curriculum starts changing is I'm, I mean, I don't know if I'll be around for this, but, like, I'm curious to see what the textbooks are going to say about our time here. Well, yeah, that's what I was getting ready to say. Like, so are we just going to all start rewriting textbooks? I, I think it, it needs to happen at yeah. some point because you can only teach the same amount of history so many different ways and so many different times. And also, all I mean, every big event that's happened in history is important, whether it was in the prehistoric days or it was in the Civil War era or in the World War One or two and all that. But, like, there are big events happening in history now and that have happened in the past decade that people either, they're just like, oh, yeah, like, this is a big movement or a big um, event in history, but, like, it's not being, like, stamped in the textbooks right now. So my biggest fear is that it's all going to happen, and then with everybody, with all of it happening, it's not getting recorded in the way that it needs to. And then, like, certain key things that play out of how certain historical events happen get left out in the new textbooks. And I that's my biggest fear is that, like, history gets rewritten from a perspective that wasn't either there or wasn't um like a part of that community when that happened so i know i i agree i think that it'll be interesting to see like what the what the textbooks say and what they actually put in the textbooks as like hey this is common knowledge that everybody needs to know so here you go here's your historical fact from queer history um I think that, of course, we'll have, like, Stonewall and all those kind of things. We'll have more of, like, when we talk... A lot of textbooks, usually, um, what I've seen when it comes to gay history at all is just the gay-lesbian movement. Or, like, mm. at that time, they just referred to it as the gay movement. Um, so that's just... That small little snippet is all you really see in any kind of history book or any if you I mean, in grade school, we didn't even really hear about that. Yeah. Like, of course, at the time, that was just, like, the 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 rights movement and all that kind of stuff. And so, which makes sense. That is a huge part of history. Um, but then once you get to college, you start to bring in more um, different things that happened during that movement too. So now in a lot of the textbooks that I've seen in college, not only was it the like civil rights movement, but it also was, oh, hey, the gay rights movement was involved in that too. Um, so it's kind of interesting to see how, like you said, gotten older and we've transitioned from grade school to college and now college and we'll be transitioning into the real world, um, how the curriculum and how things that have been taught in history are starting to change and we're starting to understand that we can elaborate a little bit more on this. Um, mm -hmm. I think that something for me that will be important to see is how, and it's been boggling to me that history, right, is, is, is old. Right. That's what makes it history. And so back in the days where there was no recordings, we just had a pencil and paper. That's how things were written down. And over time, that's how we recorded history. And that, that's how we present it today is through documents. Right. And kind of just um, word of mouth, like through people talking and sharing stories that way. That's how things have come to be written in history books and documentation. So now that we live in such a time where we have more than pen and paper, right? We have technology that can do amazing things. We have audio recording, we have video recording, we have all these different ways of taking history and explaining it in a different way. So yes, we're sitting here talking about textbooks, but 
What about the use of the internet? What about the use of making more films, making more um, audio recordings? I know a lot of people are starting to listen to podcasts. Mm-hmm. Like I know a lot of people in our generation are starting to listen to more radio. Like these things are starting to come around. This is the cycle that we go through. Like mm-hmm. clothing trends kind of do the same thing. And so now we're going into more of a social trend where we start to see um, this as well. So if we are starting to listen to podcasts, if we have all these different technology outlets, why are we not taking advantage of them? Exactly. If we have all these possibilities, if we have these these people who are, are having degrees in studying radio communications, we have people who are doing um, lots of different engineering, we have people who are in film, we have all these different disciplines that we can use as propaganda to put these different like outlets out for, for younger generations to be able to excuse me, experience history rather than just a textbook. Because let's be honest, Michael, how many textbooks have you read in college? I use them as my TV stand. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. So like the use of reading is, is needed. Like we need to read. We need to have that in our lives. That's something that I've had to learn from a young age. I was like, yeah, reading don't want to do that. But now that I'm in the place that I'm in, in this last semester in college, I'm writing research papers. I'm having to actually read what other people have put out there. I found myself being, like called to have more knowledge about certain things. And so when we can figure out how to take these outlets that we have and make them more feasible for people who don't want to read the textbooks. I love TED Talks, love TED Talks. I think TED Talks are the greatest thing because it brings in an audio component where you're not just listening, you actually have something visual going along with it. Um, I'm fascinated by watching excuse me, people's body language, facial expressions, as well as like having them on the screen and then their presentations that they're showing, even Mm -hmm. though they're these small little PowerPoints that are usually just five or six slides, it's easy to grasp. It's easy to understand. And then you can put on subtitles and then there you go. It's it's all put together. So the use of TED Talks is, is fantastic. And those are used a ton in college nowadays. I feel like I've seen a huge kick for the use of um, TED Talks just in college in certain classes because a lot of the times it's much easier for a professor to put a TED Talk on rather than sit there and them try to lecture and explain this to you. It's easier just to look at it and see and actually hear this person who is so knowledgeable, who is a professional, who is an expert talk about these certain things. So if we can start to incorporate all these different things and have people um, that want to record history and bring a different perspective, especially knowing the fact that we are clearly working in in, in a direction where this is going to be the future. We are going to see more states get underneath this and be like, hey, especially when it's starting to be put into play, that, hey, this is working, it's effective, we can do this, we just got to make sure we can make it happen, and X, Y, and Z is how we're going to make it happen, and this is how we're going to do it. So very structured, very important, and very much needs to happen. So Absolutely. I actually love the fact that you brought up TED Talks because something that I've been sitting on, honestly, since um, we did our Fab Five panel last right. semester, um, which I definitely want to try to do again, either in the beginning of the spring or late in the semester, where like it's someone's like last like little like big event that like this is what they end their semester on is having another one of those. But like I loved the turnout from that. What I want to do, and I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I want to either get together with uh, ICA and Last Minute Productions, and I would love to have a TEDx here. I would love that because what I would want it to be is all about diversity, whether it's from um, your gender or your sexuality and um, or it's race or it's religion. I want to have like a place 
where you can sign up early in advance. If you want a slot, you come prepared with uh, a speech that you want to give, um, a presentation that you want to have behind it if you want one. And it doesn't matter if one person shows up or 100 people show up. I think the impact that I think it would have, because what does Western pride itself on? It's diversity. Right. So I, I mean, it's in our creed. It's in our creed. So I think if we were able to have a TEDx here and the students, and we could even have faculty come in and do it, or we could bring people in um, from the surrounding area if they they want to come in and just open it up and let people come in and hear stories and lectures and speeches from college students, faculty, administration, because like you said, everybody's story is important. And then some point it's all going to intertwine with everybody so i would love to give like a speech on my transition in college and then what i like what my biggest fear is we're going into college as a trans person living through them and then graduating and what my expectations are for the real world because my um experience here is probably going to be completely different when i'm out of college and i'm right. out of this bubble right. but the impact that you have had here at western has been incredible and so with that I think if you were able to give a speech or video like video chat in and like give one, I think that'd be insane and it would be, leave the biggest impact. Right, and I, well, I appreciate you saying that. Like I, like I said, I would like to think that by the end of my time here, that I've done something to help this university like progress to where it needs to be. If we're gonna have our creed say, you know, diversity and 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 equality for students. Um, I think that's fantastic, but you know, those are just words that are posted around this university. If if that's actually how we feel and we want this university to strive that way, then we need to take action and we need to do things to make that more feasible. Um, and I think that the impact would be at outstanding if we could do a TEDx and we could have different perspectives from um, from students to come in and, and give this information. Not to mention that this is something that. Um, is very is going to be knowledge based, which is also going to be kind of research based as well. Um, having students bring in a research side of it and some kind of perspective that way, um, I think it would be easy for the university and the faculty to get behind that. Um, I at, another thing is having that be class participation or having that be um, extra credit because who doesn't love extra credit, right? Like. <clears throat> excuse me, those kind of things are going to be so important to different classrooms that, you know, have those extracurricular activities of go present yourself as, um, you know, in a different uh, cultural immersion kind of thing. So go experience something that you haven't experienced or go listen to this person talk or go listen to that. This is something that gives students the opportunity to to show off their knowledge, to speak on their experience. Um, a lot of the times with papers, you find yourself being like, the easiest papers to write are the ones that are opinion-based, right? Because Absolutely. you don't have to do the research. It's just my opinion. It's how I feel. It's my experience, da 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 Five pages later, you know, I'm done. I've completed the minimum for pages and the word count. When it comes to research-based, a lot of students are just like, well, I don't know how I'm going to get all those pages. But at the end of the day, there's a lot of stuff out there. So you can fill all this research and all this knowledge. So I think it's important to have something like that as a student, uh, as a, yeah, as a student, but then also be able to look at it as like, this is an experience. This is something that could prepare me for the real world to be able to give speeches like this. Um, and especially for you and I, people who clearly love to talk around the radio. Um, this is something that there's other people like that out there that would love to do something like this as well. So I think that we can make that happen. And I would, 
honestly, no matter where I am, I don't know where I, what's going to happen if it's next semester where I'm going to be, but I will I will get here to make sure that that happens. I I think as we were talking, I, my head started uh, spinning its wheels. I'm going to try to get in t- uh, touch with the keys, Kevin Kett. Um, I know some people in last minute productions and just like send like a mass email and I'll attach you to it and be like, hey, this is an idea that I've had as a student. Um, I think it'd be great for Western Carolina's university. If they pride themselves, like they say, on equality and diversity, let's prove it. Right. And then go from there. Honestly, if we could pull this off, I think it would be the highlight of it my would college be, career. It would be absolutely fantastic. I know that there's so many people who have so many different things to bring in. I mean, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm having a problem with my throat tonight. But um, bringing in different things that are are so important. So we have the tunnel of uh oppression we have the uh, poverty simulation and those are those are great and I love the fact that we have those but those are things that we've repeated year to year mm-hmm. right and it's a lot of the time history doesn't really change and we see a lot of the same things although statistics are rising on on hate crimes and all that kind of stuff very rampant so it's good to always remind people oh hey you did this last year but it's changed since then so it's more impactful this year but having something like watching students put together this material and the pride and the courage that they have to be able to go and speak in front of their peers on something that's so important um, and seeing it from a perspective of knowing that these are students. So students watching students is going to be more effective mm-hmm. than watching someone who has a PhD in, in this and some kind of MD in that. And that sometimes that's intimidating for students. I know yeah. it is for me to sit there and listen to this person who's so knowledgeable, who's so smart, and you're just like, well, I'll never be like that. But having those TEDx abilities to be like, hey, you can just throw your experience in one page and then take research that backs up your experience and put those together and then just come speak on that. Yeah. That is knowledge like no other. That's knowledge from personal experience that's going to be easily able to connect with somebody who you may see around campus and not really know, but then they present this material and you're completely opened up to the fact of like, oh, hey, this exists in the world and something needs to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, hey, this person exists and they're struggling and this is what they've been struggling with. How can I, being an educated college student with this degree that I'm having, how can I make sure that I make a difference in the world using the knowledge that I know now and this education and this degree that I have? Because there's a lot of people who don't have that ability to get that education, but there's a lot of people who have experience. Yeah, and honestly to me, like knowledge is power, but I feel like experience carries more weight just because like everybody's experience is so different and there are so many different um versions of it like my experience living in a dorm is completely different than your experience living in a dorm right and then if you get like two or three people like sitting in on a chat and we all like come together on like a panel almost and like talk about that that is basically showing people that like everybody's experience is completely different but if certain things keep happening like having to live with females when you don't identify as a female but because of your gender marker you have to and then having to com- t- continuously out yourself to your sweet mates or to teachers or this or that without there already being a system in line where it's like you don't have to do that like i mean for me and i know you do this as well you email your professors before class like hey like this is my name this is what's on your roster i go by riley i use he him pronouns and i say this is michael i use he him pronouns this is what says on your roster. 
try not to refer to, to me, please, like, mm-hmm. stuff like that. And then, but it'll open up people's eyes. It's just, like, if this is such a common trend for people, and not even really a trend, but, like, a common issue that they run into, shouldn't we change it? Right. Like, aren't, aren't, aren't they tired of having all of us queers, like, come knock down their door and be like, hey, this is really annoying. I would like this to change. Or, oh, hey, aren't you tired of me emailing you constantly every semester, professor that I've had for two years now? And some of the responses I've gotten back is, hey, Riley, thanks, I know. <laughs> like, yeah. But I just, I have to make sure because there's that, that slight glimpse that you have so many students, mm-hmm. regardless of the fact that we've had conversations, regardless of the fact that, like, I've come to your office multiple times or whatever, it may, you know, summer is a long time. Something mm-hmm. may happen. It may slip your mind. And we may go to that first day of class and you take roster. And then all of a sudden I'm left there being like, well, <laughs> oops, there's so, that. So well, what happened to me last semester? Um, I, I don't even know what happened. I literally, I think I just blanked or I think I, I thought I sent the emails and then I didn't. And Oof. then, so it was for my radio one class and I actually, he called off roll he called and i didn't even i don't register my birth name with me anymore like i really don't unless it's like coming from like a family member right but like he called it and i and mary mckay actually was like michael i was like what mary and he was she was like he just called your name and i said i didn't hear it and so i went up to him after and i was like oh by the way i don't want you to mark me absent that is my name but i don't go by that i go by michael i use the pronouns and he was just like Okay, all right. Like, moved his glasses off, looked at me, looked at the roster. He was like, I'll make note of that. And he changed just like that, and it wasn't a problem. And that was one of the luckier ones. But I actually have a professor I had when I was here in the summer. And literally, I emailed her, and she was just like, Michael, I remember you. I remember you. I'll see you in class. And I was like, all right. Just had to double check because it is a, it is a, it's a scare for you because you're just like, you don't want to get to class. And then everybody has their name called. And then you're just like, I'm here, but I didn't say here. Right. Because the name wasn't called. But, um, that was a great topic. And I'm sure we'll get back on top of that. But we're going to go to a quick break and we'll be back way before you know it. On air. WWCU Callaway. Online. WWCUFM.com. Power 90.5. Thank you. Hello. I'm Mark Couture, and I'd like to invite you to tune in to Catamount Community Radio Sunday mornings from 10 to noon right here on Power 90.5. When you hear the tires screeching, you'll know that Catamount Community Radio is on the air. You might hear some jazz. some Japanese electronica or something funky. Freeform Radio for Color and Beyond. More fun than two, uh, you know. So get yourself some coffee, fire up the wireless, and we'll listen to some records together. Catamount Community Radio, Sunday mornings from 10 to 12, right here on Power 90.5. Ranger Station. Yeah, hi, I'd like to report a bear sighting in the forest. Uh-huh. One second I'm having a smoke. Next thing I know, I'm face-to-face with Smokey Bear. Wow. And he told me it only takes one spark to start a wildfire. Did you know 9 out of 10 wildfires are caused by humans? I had no idea. That's why Smokey's famous and you're not. If you see someone in danger of starting a wildfire, step in and make a difference. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Learn more at SmokeyBear.com. Only you can 
prevent wildfires. Oh, lonely 
myself So let's take another drink Cause it'll give me time to be pink If I had a chance I'd have a woman to dance And I'll be dancing all with myself What's up, guys? Welcome back to Queer Talk. I'm Riley here with Michael. And um, something that I want to bring up uh, before um, I meant to mention it last time, but we got carried away in uh, most stuff like we usually do, right? Um, 
So something that happened that's super cool for me in the world of sports that I like, um, especially, <clears throat> excuse me, being partially Canadian, um, is hockey. Hockey is like everything, right? Like grew up watching hockey, like played it, love it. It's a great sport. If you haven't watched it or gone to a game, going to a game is definitely the way to go. Um, this past week, a huge movement actually in the hockey world was hashtag hockey is for everyone. Um, and something that they brought in was um, children and people with disabilities hockey is for everyone um and then also something is pride oh, so awesome. yeah so they brought in this whole pride aspect to the hockey world um there was uh pride pucks that they played with um also all the athletes um their sticks had uh, the tape or down at the bottom um is uh rainbow colored oh that's awesome they were giving away <clears throat> excuse me um t-shirts and and all kinds of stuff that were very pride filled and um something that i witnessed was my hockey team the ottawa senators were playing the Carolina Hurricanes, um, and so that's when they implemented it, and that's what I saw. Um, so when I saw that on Twitter from the game, uh, I started researching it a little bit more, clicked on the hashtag, saw the hashtag was bigger than just Pride. Um, it was dealing with uh, minorities as a whole, um, or people who are oppressed. Hockey, is bottom line, is for everyone, right? Like, it's a sport that no matter who you are, what you look like, what you got going on, you can play the sport, you can love the sport and appreciate it. So um, a huge movement like that was is fantastic. They also had something too that was uh, implementing uh, a theme of um, awareness for mental illness. And I thought that was pretty impressive as well. The fact that we have um, that outlet to, to do that in sports. So what, what is, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I love that. I love anything that's slammed with pride. Um, <laughs> I still have the little pride flag from upstate pride in my car. Right. Yeah. Um, so with involving such a hyper-masculine sport like hockey, um, with pride and hockey is for everyone, whether it's be for, for pride or for um, people with disabilities or whatever else you got going on in your life, it's ground base. Your hockey is for everyone. Yeah. And I love that. I love the inclusivity of it. And I you, you've seen me on roller skates, so I don't think you want to see me <laughs> on uh, um, ice skates, but... Hockey's for everyone, just not Michael. Yeah. <laughs> no, just people who are like gravity impaired or whatever. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not for you. But no, I I, I agree. I think that um, it's it's such a fantastic thing that has been brought up in the fact that, like we were saying, coming full circle, people who have that um, ability to have big names and have such an impact. Um, granted, this was above the athletes, so it wasn't just the athletes, but the athletes are the one that are presenting this, and they're they're wearing the pride stuff, and exactly. they're having fans, they're meeting people, they're they're taking pictures, there's things online. Um, I mean, the thread was crazy. It went down through all so many teams, all the teams in the NHL were were supporting or having a night that was um, hockey is for everyone. But the thing about that is like they're like hockey's been something that's been in my household forever. My dad's the biggest Blackhawk fan. Um, He loves everything about them. He's from Chicago, so he loves the Bears, the Cubs, the Blackhawks, like anything Chicago, you name it, he loves it. Um, He has watched hockey as long as I can remember. Um, He is a huge avid fan of it and we we never played it because we're both challenged on wheels but um <laughs> it's something that him and i really bonded over and so for me growing up like if i had seen like this like six foot four buff dude on ice skates daunting a pride flag on a stick 
or having like, the pride patch on his jersey, I would be like, that's representation. It doesn't mean he's gay, but it means that he's an ally. Right. Because you never know. He may be gay. He may, he might not. But, like, just seeing your community out in big mainstream events like hockey games, especially with the bigger teams, um, that's huge for kids to see that. And so. a huge thing, too, on that platform is is understanding that there's gay athletes. Yeah. There's, there's trans athletes. Like, these bottom line, these people exist. And so the ability for these um, – huge corporations for these big it's a business yeah so basically being like hey we're supporting this and also representing the fact that we support our athletes um so all the time you're hearing of hyper masculine men in football in boxing and all in wrestling and all these different sports that are coming out to the media that are putting themselves out there in support um there's events like this that they may be gay they may not be gay whatever but they're wearing that patch which is supporting the community mm-hmm. and it's showing awareness and understanding that like you know hey we are these big macho hockey players but at the end of the day we care about the people we care about our fans who come and watch we want people to live their lives the way they want to and if hockey is a part of their life or at, at any sport if any sport is a part of their life then we want that to be um, a thing for them and something that um, a personal story for me being an athlete my whole life playing basketball, playing literally every sport underneath the sun, trying to figure out which sport would fit me the best. Um, I ended up choosing basketball knowing that I was not (laughs) probably going to make it that far, but the time that I did spend playing basketball, I tried my best to throw my heart into it. Um, But I've had people in my life who have been fantastic athletes who have gone D1 to do the things that they've wanted to do, and because of who they are um, and how they wanted to live their lives, their scholarship or their ability to continue playing that sport was taken away Mm -hmm. um, by the NCAA rules. And so we've seen this. um, I've seen this with one of my friends who was a fantastic basketball player. We played against each other in in grade school, in high school, actually all the way from middle school through high school, both teams, uh, we were at different schools. So we were always arch rivals as Mm -hmm. we grew up, right? Um, We played uh, even... Double A bas- or double A basketball, yeah. The AAU basketball, like mm-hmm. the travel league basketball, yeah, we played against each other. So no matter where we were, we were always, you know, oh, supposed right. to be enemies, right? Yeah. And then as we grew up and we've come into our lives and we've become our most authentic selves, I started to put myself on social media and then I realized um, very shortly when we him and I started engaging in conversation that this is also who he was as well. Based Which, off the questions that he was asking me. Which is fantastic. And I was supporting him along the way 100%. Um, and then something hit me. I was like, wait, he plays D1 basketball. He's a, an amazing basketball player who comes from an amazing family of athletes. So what does this mean? What does this look like? And um, come to find out that he did have to drop, drop from the team. Um, the NCAA would not grant the fact that as soon as he started hormone replacement, that's testosterone is seen as a steroid. It is a steroid, basically, um, that... He was breaking NCAA violation. That was a violation. He would not be able to play basketball. Um, so those are those are some of the negative things. But then we see some athletes um, cannot remember the guy's name. Very tr- uh, famous trans guy who was a swimmer. Oh, Chris Moiser. Yeah. Oh no. Um. Shoot. Uh, Skyler ba- Baylor. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think that. Uh, yeah. He, so at Harvard. Yeah. So he was. Uh, uh, so for you who 
don't know. Um, this was a fantastic um, story that came out to hit the news um, a couple years ago, I think. It was back, I think, in 2016. Yeah, so right around the time that like I came out, I think this was one of the first stories that my dad presented to me, actually, um, from the media. This was a guy um, who was starting his transition, female to male transition, um, was a big swimmer, got a scholarship to go to Harvard to be on the female team to swim, um, thus figured out his um, most authentic life, started to engage in that, um, figured out that he no longer wanted to swim for the women's team, but swimming was a huge part of his life and he wanted to be able to keep that um, a thing for him because it was so impactful for him. And so um, the corresponded with Harvard, uh, corresponded with the um, scholarship and whatever was going on, and now he swims for the males team, mm -hmm. which is fantastic. Um, I follow him. He's on all of my feeds. Uh, he actually just finished his last swimming career, career uh, swimming career at Harvard because he's graduating this year. Right. But I also think it's amazing that he came back after breaking his back in middle school. I think it was in middle school he broke his back and then he didn't swim for like a year, and then that's why like at the same time that he broke his back, he came out um, as trans, and then he uh, got the um, full ride to Harvard to swim for the women's team, and then right. was just like, hey, like, I want to swim for the men's team, and then they allowed it, and they went with it. Um, so I think that was absolutely incredible. And watching his transition over the past couple of years has been in insane. And yeah. it's no, he, he looks great. And I'm so happy for what he's been able to accomplish and the fact that he's brought awareness and attention to trans athletes. And I think starting at like an Ivy League school and something that grabbed pretty global attention. I think he was on Good Morning America. He I, was I think on that's, Good Morning America and Ellen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, he hit the platforms and he hit, I mean, full stride running. Like he just, he did the thing and he did the thing well. And so. he also has done TED Talks. I've watched his TED Talks. Back to the TED Talks. We're so hooked on this TED Talk thing right now. Like I can't even explain to you how excited we are to like promote this and get this going. I can't wait. But um, no, like and then, uh, another famous athlete, athlete, I can't talk to that. Athlete. Athlete. Uh, athlete is uh, Chris Moisier. He's a triathlete. He's an Olympian. And he was the first trans person to, trans guy more specifically, to compete on the U.S. Um, men's triathlete team. Really? And I, what were the last Summer Olympics? Do you remember? Because we just had winter. Um, I don't know. It's well, I think right whatever the last Summer Olympics were were in 2016, he got to go and he competed. And I think he Rio, Rio. I think maybe yeah, it's somewhere there. Brazil, Rio. Yeah, that same thing. It is. Yes. Okay. Well, it's also 11:50 at night. So <laughs> it's fine. But yeah, he got to go and compete, and like that's big name. But you also see like famous gay athletes who compete in the Olympics. So like um, Tom. Oh God, I just had his name in my head. He's a swimmer. He's the diver. Tom Hardy, not Hardy. Oh, that's gonna bug me now. Um, but he, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Adam Rippon for ice skating. The we have Gus skating. Uh, Harvey um, for snowboarding. Um, there's a lot of athletes that identify as LGBTQ, and it's just like it's good for the youth of like the LGBT, like the younger generations of LGBT kids that are coming up because it shows them that like being queer or being gay or bisexual or lesbian or trans is a part of who they are but it doesn't make them the whole it doesn't make them exact like everything of who they are it's just a part of it but it plays such a big part of it because it is 
that that's their platform. When they get up on the top of the slope and he starts to go, like he's not only just a snowboarder, he's an activist because he's showing kids that like you can be gay and you can do this. I, it's important. It really is. I think that the first time that I saw Gus, because I follow Gus on, on Instagram as well, um, it's it's fantastic to see these amazing athletes, right? Like if you make it to the Olympics, like you're pretty amazing. You're yeah. like, you're you're the best of the best, right? You've been training your whole life. And it I think it's so important to see these people's stories and have them share them to the fact of, yeah, I grew up and knew I wanted to be an athlete and I knew I wanted to make it to the Olympics and I made that happen. But also here are the things that could have pulled me back from that. Here are the things that people could have looked at me dead in my face and been like, no, you cannot do this. And people 100% do that all the time just with people who are who are athletes who don't identify in any uh, minority group but also do identify in a minority group. A lot of the times some of the feedback that they hear is you aren't good enough. You won't be good enough. You'll never be able to make it. Do you know how many people are trying to do the same thing you are? What's going to make you different? And it's the fact of like they they wanted it bad enough right? They, they practice, they put in that effort, they did the things that they could do to get to where they are. And that's so important to watch as just someone who has more or less, you know, figured out their identity and is starting to under, you know, undergo that and see this process through, but also someone who is younger. The younger generation is something that now it is so important to make sure that we can educate them to give them the best possible outlets that we can. And, and I think that as activists, as educators, that's something that we have to work forward to is, is to get these younger generations to a point of acceptance for themselves. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I mean, it's just, it's heartbreaking to see that kids don't want to do certain things just because they're afraid that it's going to see like people are going to say that they're gay because they're ice skating and it's like where does ice skating and sexuality come into ever place? realize like how strong? how strong you have to be and how much effort there is like it's a sport it's the same thing with cheerleaders with guys wanting to be cheerleaders and it's it's seen as like such a feminine thing there listen <laughs> there is nothing that well there is things feminine about cheerleading whatever but like when it comes to the lifts and the physical ability and the physicality of cheerleading and competitive cheer and being able to to push your body to those limits that's the that's an athlete yeah. That has nothing to do with whether the fact that you're gay or not or how your gender identity is. If you are an athlete and you have those abilities, being gay, being trans, being whatever, that should not hold you back because that's just a small, minute part of your identity. You're also an athlete. You're also this amazing person who has these amazing traits and put together makes it you. Exactly. So when we start breaking people apart into the just specific identities and start just throwing them in boxes and starting to categorize people and stereotypes, we're missing the bigger picture. We're missing the fact that like you're you're not seeing the whole person here. Like you're you're only seeing such a small part of who this person is and their actual abilities to be great and do great things. Exactly. And I mean, for me, like growing up, sports was my outlet. Like for as long as my body allowed me to, before my back got really bad back in high school. Um, it makes me sound so old. Also, it makes me sound so old. Um, but with like my back injury that I had, like. Before, like, I pushed my body to the point where, like, I couldn't walk because I enjoyed playing sports and it was my outlet that I could be this competitive, 
I don't want to say masculine because I mean it's masculine and feminine. But at that time, at that time, that's what you saw. It that's as. what I saw it as, and it yeah. was my outlet. And like basketball, I mean, I remember I started playing basketball when I was like four or five. I was doing like those like little like youth leagues where like the baskets at like three mm-hmm. feet tall, and yeah, like the yeah, kid, yeah. the parents like, oh, it's so cute. And then like it got more competitive, and like I started, my dad started to see that like this is something that I could really do, and I had people looking at me from like Dartmouth and from there's another school here um in North Carolina it's near Brevard I can't remember the is name. it Montreal no. no it's has a really weird name sounds like a like a mountain I don't know anyway we'll come back to it. yeah um but like I really thought I was gonna go to college and I was gonna play basketball and I was gonna be that type of athlete but then that didn't happen which I'm okay with because honestly at it came to a point where I wasn't doing it because I was having fun. I did it because I wanted to win. And winning is always great, but it shouldn't be the main reason that you're playing. You should play because you're having fun and you won't enjoy it. And it came to a point for me where I was figuring out my sexuality. And then for some reason, I let that uh, construed with basketball because there were people on the team that were just like, oh, like, well, did you hear she's gay? And like, she thinks like she likes girls. And then like people started talking and I was like, okay, I need to take a step back. Because at the time, being gay in the area that I was living in and, like, my family, like, upbringing at the time, like, it was seen as such a negative thing that I was like, okay, I need to find a way to differentiate the two and separate myself. And then ultimately with my back injury, I was like, well, I'm I'm queer. Here I am. I'm right. as queer as a $3 bill. So, I mean, it's it, my story and my understanding of it is kind of the same thing with – Um, stereotyping specific sports, right? So we just kind of looked at cheerleading as being a feminine sport for women, you know, basketball and softball are seen as those mask hyper masculine sports. So if you are a basketball player, if you're a softball player, you have to identify as a queer somehow, some way, right? Like you have to be some kind of different, but it was crazy for me. That was a stereotype that I was aware of and I knew, but then in that moment, when I was an athlete, I felt like I was the only gay person on every team that I was on. Same. And so it was something that like was very pressured from society and very, very talked about like with students and stuff. And then at the end of the day, I was like, well, I'm not gonna be that one gay person that comes out. And then all of a sudden things hit the fan, you know, and when I came out sort of my sophomore year of, of high school, I was on the varsity basketball team. Um, you know, I was very, at already created very strong relationships with um, most of the girls on the team. And so I was the token gay person, right? Like that's what I was looked at as. And so I had to back that up. I had to, I felt like I had to present myself in a certain way. Um, And then ultimately I felt like I had to just carry out that one identity, even though I knew I was struggling with like this masculine presence that I carry, the fact that I did feel more masculine, I had to kind of set that aside because I was like, well, I'm supposed to be the token lesbian, supposed to be the token dyke for this team, right? Like that's that's the slang, that's what's used. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure there's athletes all over the world who have felt like the same thing. Um, I'm sure that there's um, plenty of softball players that have heard, oh, well, you know, I'm sure you loved women at some point or like whatever, you know, like it's these kind of things that we need to shut this, we need to shut this down right now. Like we need to have an intelligent conversation of what you just said to me, right? (laughs) Um, Or like what, where did you get this? What does this look like for you? Let's unpack this a little bit and realize that like it's a sport. We're all here to have fun. It has nothing to do with sexuality or anything like that. Like we're not all sleeping together. That's not what this is. This is the fact that we're athletes and we're here to enjoy and give you a platform of entertainment. Exactly. And 
I mean, we do need to debunk those stereotypes that, like, um, all softball players are lesbians and that all uh, rugby players are gay because it's not accurate. That's not... Ooh, rugby's a good sport for that, too, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, like, even here, like, you see the men's rugby team and you interact with the women's rugby team, and from my own personal experience, it's just, like, you come onto the field and you think, oh, this is just a giant group of lesbians. And it's, like, not all of these women here identify as queer. It is a queer space, but it's not entirely, like, just no straight people allowed. Like, that's not it at all. Like, it's a place for women to come and be empowered and be, I don't want to say violent because it's not necessarily, I mean, it's a violent sport, but like you're not doing it maliciously. Well, it's a, it's a space that's more inclusive for women who want to be able to express more masculine True, or perfect. what's been categorized as masculine, um, being able to go and, and act on that. And so there are certain sports, which is where we get these stereotypes, um, but there are more sports that are more accepted for women to act in more aggressive ways, which ultimately leads to being seen as more masculine so that's where we have the stereotypes with the rugby players with the softball players with the basketball players so absolutely well well, we're gonna cut to a quick break but we'll be back way before you know it on air wwcu coloring online wwcufm.com Community Table provides a welcoming restaurant-style dining experience for those in need of a nice supper. At the Community Table, everyone is welcomed, respected, and served a home-cooked, nutritious meal. Located next to the Silver Pool, the Community Table serves supper from 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. and supplemental groceries from 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. The Community Table, so you don't have to worry where your next meal comes from. To schedule and a volunteer, 828-586-6782, 828-586-6782, or visit communitytable.org, communitytable.org. Now, your Western Carolina weather forecast is furnished by local Yokel Weather. Happy Thursday, Catamounts. It'll be a cloudy Valentine's Day night with temperatures in the mid to low 40s, depending on elevation. As always, you can get your up-to-date weather forecast online anytime at wwcufm.com. I'm Ruth with your Power 90.5 forecast. Your Western Carolina weather forecast was furnished by local Yoko Weather. LYWJohnson.com. Power 
And welcome back to Queer Talk. I'm your local queer guy. My name is Michael. And I'm Riley. And you're listening to Queer Talk. Again, if you want to give us a call in, the request line is 828-227-7173. 828-227-7173. I've been meaning to say that number for the past hour and a half. I mean, it'd be like that sometimes. I really do. But um, so our next story is about good old Mike Pence's wife. She works at a private school where she, her students are forced to sign a moral a morality cla- clause. I can't talk. Um, a morality clause, basically signing a document saying that they won't be gay. That is insane. On what planet is that okay? I mean, it's a private school, which is which is why they're probably allowed to do it because they don't have to follow like public school guidelines but it's just like what planet does that sound like a good idea like why are you trying to force someone to be something that they're not well i think that it brings in the perspective of already going ahead and covering a base of okay by you signing this this is something that i don't have to worry about and i don't have to see or deal with this at all or at any time i think it's a scare tactic i think that it's it's put out there to be like anyone who is feeling this way, go ahead and repress that, right? Not yeah. in my classroom, not in my space. You won't be able to do that queer stuff here. Um, and it's it's a tactic that is used and has been used over the years. It's just now coming to light and we're now seeing this in more a um, like actual tangible way. We're actually having documentation of someone doing this. Um, little things like this, this these, these slight homophobic um, things throughout his history have been kind of slid in, right? Just in a couple different areas. Um, but now we have someone who is putting that into play and it's caught the media's attention. Does it make it right? Absolutely not. Um, are people doing it and continuing to do it? Yes. Well, something that I think is interesting that we were actually were talking about in psych class, which we can segue right into this, is um, we briefly touched on gender and sexuality in the class. And we talked about well, when did you decide to be straight? And it's just like, there's that scene from the movie Love, Simon, where these kids are coming out to their parents as straight. And it's kind of like, it's not like a joke almost, but like, it's just, you kind of think on it. Like, you never woke up one day and we were just like, wow, I'm straight and I like dudes or I like girls. And it's just like, I'm going to go tell people. Yeah. Right, like people would be like, cool yeah but like when i'm glad you came to that realization question mark realization yeah but it's also like it's not something that we have to realize from the minute that we are born i mean i've seen it i don't have a baby so i've never done this but i've heard it because you hear it in movies you hear it um when kids have when people have babies they're just like oh like she's gonna get all the girls when she's older or oh he's such a ladies man he's nine months old what is he getting (laughs) he's nine months old He's just staring at literally anything shiny. Like, it's not like, oh, like, he he smiled when you said ladies' man. And it's just like, that was probably gas. So, that involuntary tick you just saw, not what you thought it right. was. But it's just like, tick. it's it's unfortunate that even now today we're still imposing gender roles and, like, forcing heteronormativity on younger generations when it's just like i know disney just had their first character come out as gay like and physically say the words i'm gay on a disney show and i mean disney has caught a lot of flack for their disney shows because they've never had queer representation on it and so for a a child on this show to be 
out and proud in this as a character is huge. And I hopefully it stays on and it doesn't get people don't complain about it because it is 2019. What does it matter if a kid is gay on a TV show? Like it doesn't matter. It's representation for kids who are gay in real life. And that one representation could be between the fact of whether or not that kid unfortunately decides to either end his life or her life because she's not seeing this acceptance for how she identifies or how he identifies. And it's just like, what's the big deal about who someone, it's like how we explained the gingerbread man or mm-hmm. person. Um, who, what does it matter who I go to bed with at night and who does it matter who you go to bed with at night? It doesn't because it doesn't involve you. Right. So I think that it's something that's seen in society a lot and we're, we've started to normalize the normalization of like homophobia and we've started to just realize that, you know, if it's not hetero, then we don't really know what to do with it. So we're just going to move on from it. Um, sweep it and, under the rug. Yeah. Just sweep it under the rug. Let's, let's move on. Let's forget about it. Um, but it's, it's, it's in the news all the time and something that an article that was brought to my attention, we're speaking um, on kind of parenting and how you, that language that we use um, with children and with young youth um, just based off of their looks or how they're acting. Oh, they're going to be, you know, they're going to make a great husband. It's like, oh my gosh, this child is five years old. Why are you like, it's this crazy language that we come up with that we refer to. And these are the societal things that kind of stick around. And so something, an article that was brought to my attention was, um, Florida parents raise an 11 year old infant with gender neutral, um, basically just saying that the child and referring to the baby as a they be. Okay. So I totally heard you. But you said 11-year-old infant. 11-month-old. Okay, you know, we're approaching almost tomorrow. <laughs> My English has run out. So we'll just, we're just going to move on from it. You know what I meant. I know what you meant. 11-month-old okay. baby is being raised as a yes. ba- so, baby, you said? A baby. So they're referring to their baby as a baby. Basically implementing the fact of gender-neutral parenting. Um, so trying not to use gender gender specific pronouns, mm. which is very hard, right? Especially but, for an infant. Right. But it's if we can start to think a little bit this way, use neutral colors, not assign colors to boys and girls, um, not, not stick with this whole binary system and start to open up a little bit to this, um, we can start to understand the spectrum a little bit more and the people that exist on this spectrum of male and female and everything in between. Um, So this was a really cool article that was brought to my attention. Um, Just trying to understand being in a parent's shoes and and raising a child that way. Um, So what do you, what do you think? Like, what do you, how would you feel like implementing this? Like if your parents had done this for you, what would have been the implications you think? I think it would have been really beneficial just because with our generation, we've had a lot more people come out using they, them pronouns. And I think if we also stop teaching in such a binary language and we start using they, them more in a singular manner, um, I know for me, it's still something that I personally struggle to like use. But I mean, like if someone comes to me and they're like, hey, like this is my name and it's the first time that we're meeting them and like they say this is my name and I use they, them pronouns automatically because I've trained my brain now to when someone tells me their pronouns instead of me just kind of like assuming what they are um 
my brain automatically picks it up. But if I've known you for a long time and then you um, tell me that you want to go by they, them pronouns, it's going to take me a while, but I'll get the hang of it because I have people in my life that go by they, them pronouns. And I think it is something that we're just going to have to accept as a society that this is going to become just part of human nature. Um, I know Kate Hudson is also raising her baby gender neutral and uh, non-binary and whatnot. So it is something that's happening more mainstream, and I hope it people get on board with it and they accept it and they start adapting to it because whether or not someone likes it, it's going to happen. And honestly, I think it would be really interesting because if you look at it, you see one of two things happening. If you see parents raising their kid, letting their kid experiment, experiment and paint their nails if they're a boy or wear boys' clothing if they're a girl or just explore their own gender identity and sexuality – that kid usually grows up a lot happier. But if you imply these harsh gender roles and stereotypes of what a woman's job is and what a man's job is and whatnot, and you like basically say anything outside of cisgendered and heterosexual is not normal and that's not accepted, that kid's going to grow up with a negative image on who they are because if they feel they conform and they identify with what's outside of whatever normal is, they're probably at higher risk for mental illness or um, anxiety and depression and maybe even suicide. And it's like, it's the little things that you do and you start at a younger age because like we've said on the show, kids are sponges. They soak up absolutely everything. Yeah. Kids ask lots of questions as is, right? Like, what is it? I think it's like five years old that they hit that whole, why? Well, why? Why? Well, why Why? phase? Yeah. And so if, like you said, if, if, we start implementing these whole harsh structures that we want to put on these children and that they have to grow up with asking those questions on top of the questions that they're already asking because they're so young and they're trying to figure out the world and they want to know things because they, they love kids love knowledge. Like you said, they're sponges. They want to take everything and they want to know the answer to everything, which is basically just human nature, right? We, we want to know. Curious. Yeah. Just curiosity as a whole. And so if we allow these these kids to kind of in certain parameters play around with their gender expression, play around with their sexuality um, and, and understanding that being able to come home and talk about a crush that they may have that might be on the same, uh, you know, to the same um, sex as them. That might be something that as a parent would be really, really difficult if you've grown up, if you've been raised in a very heteronormative society and that's all you've really known then you have this child who you know wants to come home and openly talk about this and then that's that's a hard conversation to have if that's something that you've never really been experienced to so there's a lot of research out there that shows that um, children that are raised to same-sex parents um, actually end up being better off because they're more open-minded about things they they've have experience growing and watching their their moms their dads right they they understand the world a little bit better they've been able to ask these really hard questions that they get when they're young they're able to have that um, ability with their parents to be able to have those conversations and learn and grow in that way and so um, there's tons and tons and tons of research out there that has to do with same-sex parents and and the the benefit of of having that are we posing the fact that you should not be straight and you should, you know, be uh, date someone of the same sex and have a kid because, but at the end of the day, statistically wise, they're going to be better off? No. 
that's your prerogative. Like if, if that's who you are and how you feel and what floats your boat, then do your thing. But at the end of the day, this is um, a, a statement to say that if this is what the stats say, then we need to do a better job at, you know, with parents, parents, us, our generation. I know people who are already becoming parents, people who, you know, have children or are thinking of starting a family here in the recent or the near future, this is something that we need to start having conversations of, right? Absolutely. And especially when it comes to the, the the stats and knowing how children are going to be better off, we want to make sure that we're giving children these platforms to be their most authentic selves, regardless of um, their identities and stuff like that, and, and give them the education that they need. And it starts with parents. The parents have a huge reflection on, on, on children. Well, then, also, you can't argue with statistics. You can't argue with the numbers. Like, if it's being scientifically proven that kids who are raised by same-sex parents are more caring or compassionate or understanding of other people or just have a better understanding of who they are themselves, then obviously something right is happening in that household. But like I said, if you denounce anything that's not in the cisgendered heterosexual um, norm then you're seen as an outcast or an outlier, then you're going to have that negative impact like growing up. And I remember when I was a freshman here at uh, Western and literally I would sit outside of the tables outside of Scott and people would hear me start talking about like me wanting to medically transition. And I had this one guy literally told me, he was like, so you're like an, you're like a science experiment. And he was like, I don't mean that in like a bad way. And I was like, honestly, I've never heard that one before. Like I've been compared to a lot of things, but I've never been compared to a science <laughs> like experiment. Pig. And I was, and he was like, I hope you like, don't get upset at that. And I was like, I, I don't, but it's also, it's interesting because if you think about it, I kind of, like we are, and it's not like we're being put in a test tube and like shaken up and seeing what reaction comes right. out of it. But it's like, we knew who we were at such a young age. We, at the time, just didn't have the vocabulary or the knowledge of how to express it. So the next best thing that I did and I'm sure you did as well, is we expressed it through our clothing. And something that my gender therapist told me from Duke was that a kid knows their gender identity by the time they're three years old. So when my mom was putting me in white tights and little sh- socks that had flowers on them that would irritate me at all costs, and like a, f- a flowy dress and my hair down and or put up in pigtails with little beads in it, and I would start screaming and kicking because it made me so uncomfortable and so miserable that we would get into like fights about what I wanted to wear but when I picked out what I wanted to wear it was nothing what my mom wanted me to wear but it made me the most comfortable because that's how I expressed it and so for these younger generations it'll be so more beneficial for them if they are kind of raised like gender neutral where it's just like you anatomically are a female or you anatomically are a male but at the end of the day you ultimately get to decide who you are and what you want to be and who you want to become one day and i think people will probably face a lot of backlash for that mainly because it's just like well how is that going to affect their friends are they going to be able to make friends how is that going to affect them on baseball teams or in the locker rooms and it's just like well hopefully by the time that they start doing group sports or going to summer camp and they kind of have like a general idea. They don't have to know exactly who they are, but they have like a general idea of who they are and how they identify. And if that's sanctioned to change, then it'll change and you just have to adapt to it because that's literally what's just happening in society. You have to be able to adapt to change. 
So Right, I agree. Change is all around us. Social change is a constant moving, systematic thing. It's it's something that we cannot really slow down and we definitely can't stop it. Um, it's inevitable. And it, it yeah, and it can speed up. So there are little incidences where we have the ability to um, adapt and change things in society slightly. Um, but over time, things will progress and, and, and make a bigger difference to the bigger picture. Um, so I, I think that's kind of what we've come to the conclusion of right now. Absolutely. Well, I just, I hope that in the near future and for the future generations that no one... I don't want to say hate crime is being gone 100% because I doubt hate crime and crime in general will be ever be completely obliterated. But I think hopefully in the years to come, parents are more accepting. Kids have open minds and they're not as mean. And that it's easier. It, people also just learn that it's easier to spread love than it is to spread hate. Yeah. Because spread Spread love like it's peanut butter. Exactly. All over everything. Um, next week's show, we're going to have another interview. We're going to have a uh, lovely Miss J on our show. We're going to, um, kind of do what we did last week. Maybe not quite as long. Maybe do like an hour long interview, depending on how we're all feeling, but that's something to look forward to. Also remember we have our, um, social media outlets. Now we have queer talk on Instagram. If you have any, um, questions, concerns, topics you want us to talk about, um, direct message us. You guys also have, um, I'm sure you guys follow our, our personal accounts. If you feel more comfortable sending them there, DM us on our personal ones. Mine is Michael Lucas Spurgeon and Riley's is donut underscore get underscore jelly. <laughs> um, so if you want to reach out there, you can do that. Also, if you guys see us on campus, um, feel free to say hi. I've run into a, quite a few people being like, oh, like you're, you're Michael from the radio show. And I'm like, yeah, it's, 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 it's pretty cool to run into because right. people are actually listening. But, um, so yeah, I think tonight's show went great. Thank you guys for tuning in. We are going to come back to you guys next week. Riley, do you have any final thoughts for the team? Just hang in there. It's it's that point in the semester where people are starting to get a little antsy, a little stressed, but... Um, Spring break is in the, yeah, in the view. We love you, and, and thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks for listening, guys. Halloween's classic rock station. Who the hell are you? We are WWCU Colorway. WWCUFM.com. I think we're getting power. Power. Now, your Western Carolina weather forecast is furnished by local Yokel Weather. Happy Thursday, Catamounts. It'll be a cloudy Valentine's Day night with.